Welcome to Season 5, Episode 12 of the Zebra Before and After Podcast. I'm your host, Lane Ball. Well, I always say, I and I say this on my channel so very much, it's so important that you find what your local trends are and you really study what sells for your area and start designing with what works around that. Kara with Lemons to Lemonade Furniture is here with us today to share her recession-proofing tips. We listen when she speaks on the topic of financial stability as we had her on last season to share how she and her husband reached their goal of debt-free by furniture flipping. Chris and Mandy with Fresh Studio Furniture share their tip on how much paint to load on your brush. Our question of the week, what interesting items have you found in your old furniture pieces, will be answered by our friends Elizabeth with Re.Picks, Karen with Karen's Paintbrush, Jen with Green Spruce Designs, and Lori with Three Havens Vintage. Amanda with The Thrifty Flipper gives accolades to Shona with Made by Murphy. Susan with Little Lou Design shares her furniture mishap in our furniture blooper segment. Stay with us, friends. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. I think most would agree as a business owner that the current financial times make survival a challenge. Today, we hear from a successful furniture finisher and financial expert on tips and ideas on how to not only keep your head above water, but flourish during international economic stress. Let's listen in to hear her advice. Hello, Kara. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, spring is here, heading heading into summer. So it's, you know, it's those two seasons that I love and everybody knows that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, Kara, you were on our podcast last year. It was season four, episode 41, and you shared how you and your husband got out of debt refinishing furniture. And it's an incredible and inspiring story. And I might add that this was when the pandemic hit. Listening friends, it's a must listen. So please go back and listen to that. You know, it seemed like the pandemic was never ending, but now that we are out of it, we are now dealing with a fledging economy with high inflation. Most are feeling the strain at the pump and the grocery store and really everywhere. So the big question is, how is a furniture finisher to survive? Carrie, you recently posted a video on your YouTube channel entitled Recession Proofing Your Business, and you provided great tips. We want to spend some time today having you share those tips. Plus, I believe you have a few additional tips that you didn't get to share on your channel that you'd like to share with us. Yeah, I sure do. Well, let me ask you this question. So this is all about the recession we're all feeling, but what specifically prompted you to come up with these tips? Well, there are things that I was just using um, in my everyday sales, and I thought it would be helpful to share it with other people because I do get a lot of questions on our YouTube channel at Lemons to Lemonade Furniture about what we're currently doing right now. So I thought this is a perfect topic for me to turn this into a YouTube video and share with my followers. Well, we're eager to hear your advice with pen and notepad <laughs> in hand. What do you have for us? Excellent. Um, I've got my my video um, made up. Let me see. I did five tips on that video. I actually have seven, I think, seven or eight. So we'll see how many we can get through today. But I'll tackle the five that we went through on the video and just sort of flesh them out a little bit more for the listeners. But the number one thing I find that is important right now is sourcing really good quality pieces. I'm finding that my customers are still willing to buy if they know that that purchase is going to 
to give them years of use. So the average consumer usually knows that something that's particle board or MDF is going to give them maybe 10 years of use, where we know that something with solid wood could last a lifetime and could be something that they could pass down. So I find that in my market, people are really still wanting to make those good quality purchases. So that's what I'm looking for when I'm currently sourcing my pieces is, is it well made? Is it solid wood as much as it can be? And veneer is still a really good option as long as it's got some good bones underneath it. It's, mm-hmm. it's totally fine and will still give them that staying power. But right now, I'm kind of staying away from those. You know, we saw that hot little flash in the pan with like making the Ikea flips and things like that. Those aren't selling as well for me. And so I pulled back from a lot of that MDF kind of um, over manufactured furniture and started sourcing Mm -hmm. into things that were well-built, well-made, older pieces. And those are still really hot for me right now. Is there any special way to make sure you get these good quality pieces when purchasing on, let's say, Facebook Marketplace before you trek out to look at the piece? Sure. Well, you always want to ask the questions of what they think it's made out of. I do sometimes, if I'm questioning what it is, I'll have them take a picture of the back of the piece or the back edges, just so you can normally see if there's wood grain back there or what you're dealing with. You can spot particle board pretty easily if they send you a picture of the back of the piece. So if you're questioning that, maybe ask them for that. Um, Nine times out of 10, unfortunately, um, and it's just it is just what it is. I didn't know this stuff before I got into furniture refinishing. People will normally tell you, oh, yes, this is solid wood. And mm-hmm. we all know we yep. get there and it's like, <laughs> uh, no, not so much. Um, and you kind of have to break the news to them. But, um, you know, I, I'm you know, I've made those trips too, where I've gone out there and it wasn't what I thought it was. And I just have politely passed and, you know, I apologize for wasting their time, but you have to, at the end of the day, for me, this is a business. And so I have to remember that my overhead is always on my mind when I'm picking up these pieces. I love what you said about asking them to maybe take some additional photographs. Have you ever had any issues where they're like, uh, not going to do it. It is what it is. (laughs) No, you know, I haven't. I think people are usually eager to sell. The only time I've had those issues is if they have, you know, a line of people waiting for it, which I totally understand. I I get it myself. I don't want to take those extra time when I've got five other people asking me for the item and they're ready to pick it up right away. But um, normally those people, they're people that are just going to put them in our house. They're not doing what I'm going to do with it. And I, you Mm -hmm. know, having to make a profit. So it's all right. There's another one down the road. (laughs) So I'll just Mm -hmm. move on. But it's very rare that I won't have somebody you know, do send what I'm asking for. Yeah. Now, do you purchase most of your pieces from Facebook Marketplace? Um, I would say 50% of the time. I am someone who really loves a good estate sale. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's another really great way to sort of get there, get my hands on the piece and make sure it really is as advertised. Yeah. So what's your next tip for us? Well, I always say I, and I, say this on my channel so very much. It's so important that you find what your local trends are and you really study what sells for your area and start designing with what works around that. I I know that people love, you know, a lot of people get into this because it's an outlet for them. They're artistic. They like to design. They like to create. But sometimes that creativity doesn't turn into a sale for their market. And I think sometimes that's what's helped me grow this business is that, and I know we talked about this in the last podcast, 
I am not a creative, or at least I didn't see myself that way until we literally fell into this during the pandemic and realized mm-hmm. that we could pay our bills and our debt from doing this. So my mindset has always been selling. I'm not a big, like, I don't want to blend the paint and put on the transfer transfers and things like that. I love that. I love people that do that, but it is mm-hmm. not my style at all. And the strange thing about that is it actually doesn't turn into a sale in my Dallas market. Mm-hmm. People hear like simplistic, modern, rustic. It's not you know, some of those fancy embellishments, they don't do well here. So I've really had to learn that and learn the style. And so I tell people all the time on my channel, because like I said, I, I deal a lot with selling on my channel or people that refinish furniture. And so I get a lot of these questions and I just tell them, you've got to really study what sells in your area. Go into the furniture stores that are around you and see what they are displaying. Maybe if you have a Facebook page, this is another way to do it, is to ask the people that are following your page, put up three pictures that are different from each other and ask them what styles do you like and get a Mm. feel for what your area is looking for. And that will really, really help you. I also like to look on websites like Anthropology or Wayfair or, um, you know, look through a furniture magazine of a high end selling furniture product and get an idea of what they are forecasting of what's in style for the year. Sometimes it's a little different for me. And I understand because I do live in Dallas and I've got this huge metroplex around Mm -hmm. me and it's very trendy. And so I do constantly have to stay on trend with what they're buying. And I really hone all my furniture designs around what my area wants versus this is an outlet for me and I'm artistic, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, that makes total sense. I mean, this assures your pieces are going to sell because that's, that's the goal, especially during a tough economy. And if this is a business for you and you're dependent upon income from this business, then it makes sense to be really strategic about it. And I suppose people that are, let's say, more creative and they like to venture out of the norms of furniture design, that they could Mm -hmm. consider potentially selling on Etsy and some of these other places so their market is much broader. Absolutely. And then just also understanding that when you do that, you may have to sit on a piece a little bit longer. But if you're able to do that, that's wonderful. We didn't approach that from being in that type of position. It was always, you know, we had to have five or six pieces to sell every weekend to keep up with what we needed to keep our bills paid during that tough time. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was constantly what is selling. Now, when I'm designing a piece for myself, which this past year, I really allowed myself the time to start doing that. (laughs) Before, I I never got to design with my own home in mind. It was always I had to sell it. Um, But this year, I I was able to create quite a few pieces for my own home. And so I did. I, I strayed away from those trends because they weren't things I wanted in my house. And I did get to play a little bit with that creativity. But I also knew that they were for me and not for the public. Well, you know, you have a a few years now of experience uh, behind you. When you look at when you started to where you're at today and knowing that you pretty much follow the trends, do you see differences in the trends from what you did when you started uh, what you're creating today? Oh, absolutely. We all know that farmhouse was hot, hot, hot for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So when I jumped in, I kind of came in on the tail end of farmhouse, but I, I had a good solid year where we were still just pumping out farmhouse. That definitely 
definitely was 95% of what I was selling. Um, a gray, you know, gray had a hot mm -hmm. moment. Everything was gray <laughs> and then everything was white. So I came in right when those three things were really hot. Um, now we have seen such a switch. Um, I couldn't sell farmhouse if I wanted to. <laughs> Really? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, MCM has come in and um, sleek, modern design. That's what I am designing now. Boho had a hot minute. We did a lot of Boho for a good eight months. Now I'm having a harder time moving anything like that. So I'm shying <laughs> away from that a little bit more. Now we're seeing a lot more of the, of the raw wood look people in Dallas still like the rustic feel. So you might call that more like an elevated farmhouse or, mm -hmm. you know, it looks more higher end. No chippy, absolutely no chippy. Really? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no chippy. And, you know, like kind of like the seaside coastal is having a moment here as well. Yeah, that's so interesting. Now, do you see, based on your experience now, um, do you feel like you're able to sort of project into the future? Like, I think what's going to come up next is X, Y, and Z. I mean, do you are you able to do that? I don't think so. Nope. <laughs> I think that's where my creativity stops. Yeah. I mean, I, you know what I really love to do when we're getting ready to go into a new year is I love to look at what paint companies are forecasting for the next hot colors. That's a good signal to me as to what we might be going into. Um, so I really read into that. I also, you know, when paint companies put out those new colors, they show them to you in rooms, right? So you can mm -hmm. kind of visualize, look at the furniture that they're using in those rooms. Mm, very good. Very good tip. Yeah, I love that. That is such a good indicator of where those style gurus, because that's what those people are paid to do, right? Is they're mm -hmm. the ones that can forecast into the future. So look at what they are predicting is coming and start going in that direction. Mm -hmm. So what do you have next for us? The next one is fairly simple and straightforward. I think a lot of people are already doing this. It's just removing those dated details when it's possible. Updating those handles. We've been doing that for a long time. Um, you know, those bat wings on things, they, they need to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, removing carved details. I'm seeing a lot of people that are not so afraid to remove um, that really fancy, schmancy detail work that's been put into something. I know that's hard for some people, but simplistic and modernized is really hot right now. So getting away from all those frills, that works for me. And sometimes those things are really easy, like drawer front covers, you know, they're just nailed in and they can just be pried off really easily and use a little bit of wood fill and it makes a smooth cover and gets off the detail that might scream, this is an older piece. Do you find that your pieces sell fast enough that you don't have to go back and evaluate, do I need to change something on this? Do I need to change the hardware? Do I need to repaint it? My pieces do. I, it's rare for me to have a piece sit here for more than a week. Wow. That's yeah. impressive. And yeah. that, that has always been the case. It's always been the case. Excellent. Well, that's nice. Yeah. What's your next tip? Um, and I'm going to add on to that dated details a bit. And I know that sometimes this can be a little bit harder or more... Um, labor intensive, but making sure if you can remove the legs or the base and replace that on a piece of furniture, 
that will really optimize your cost. Um, for example, I did a, a flip. I think it was last week's flip on YouTube where I removed the base and added legs. I paid $25 for those legs off of Amazon. And that was a really, really easy upgrade. It didn't really take any power tools to make that work. And I made an extra 200 bucks on that sale. So that's a really good way to keep, you know, your supplies low and yet your selling point high by just doing little things like that, that really elevate your furniture design. Do you find that uh, there's an intimidation factor when it comes to removing old legs and putting new legs on as far as like, uh, what if I put the new legs on and it doesn't, it's not balanced, it doesn't sit properly? Yeah, it does take a little extra skill level. But I think at this point, you know, you don't know unless you try. I It was all trial and error for me. I didn't, like I said, you know, I didn't know anything about this when I went into it. I certainly didn't have any woodworking type of skills, but I was surprised at how easy it is. Yeah, well, that's encouraging because I know a lot of times people see things done and you want to do them, but then you're afraid to do them, right? You don't want to... You know, especially if you're trying to pump uh, this furniture in and out because you've got to stay on top of everything and make sure you're selling your pieces weekly like you are. Right. But you got to do what you got to do. If that's something that needs to happen, then, you know, like you said, just dive in and try it out. Right. I kind of look at it this way. I mean, it, I know it takes a little extra time. <laughs> For me, it kind of was like waiting on Amazon to arrive, unfortunately, is the time that I'm spending. You know, normally I've got it all torn apart. I'm just waiting for the thing to appear. But I, if I look at it this way, if I'm making an extra $200 on each dresser that I'm selling, that's basically, you know what I'm saying? It's taking the spot of an extra piece that I don't have to sell a month if I'm mm. getting that much more extra just for adding $25 legs on a piece of furniture. Yeah. And that's how I try to look at it. Yeah. And I think it's really important because what I'm from hearing from you is you're very detailed. You're, you're very methodical about what you're doing, your processes, what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, it's really important to just evaluate what you're doing and make sure that you're aware of all the ins and outs of furniture refinishing so that you can be diligent to do all the things necessary to make sure your pieces sell fast and you, you do that well. So that's, uh, that's an extra, not, we all don't always have that ability and it was sort of, right. I think sometimes <clears throat> creatives may struggle with that because they get so wrapped up into the creative aspect of a piece mm-hmm. um, and it's methodical, it's enjoyable, it's therapeutic, uh, but you have to kind of maybe push yourself a little bit harder on the business side of things to say, okay, I spent this many hours on this piece. I enjoyed it. It was very therapeutic. However, didn't really get my money out of it. So can't do that as often. Right. (laughs) And those are the things you need to watch out for. And I love that. I love those creatives. I love seeing their pieces. You know, like I've said before, I came, my brain is very business oriented, as you can tell. And that's how I came into this. So that's the area I tend to go in. So I'm hoping, you know, with, with the YouTube channel, that that's the benefit that I'm bringing to these creatives who have these beautiful pieces is to help them sort of rein in a little bit. And if they're looking to sell these things, how I can help them do that, but still maintain their creativity. Yeah. None of these things you're suggesting are out of reach to to most refinishers. I mean, it's just a matter of being diligent to do them. Mm -hmm. So what do you have next for us? (laughs) Next one. uh, My creatives, they kind of balk at this one a little bit, but cost optimization. And what I mean by that 
is get a handle on your inventory. Go through that storage shed, people. Uh, <laughs> stop collecting pieces until you get a few more sold. I know that's hard. Uh, the creatives, they just love to, you know, go and look and thrift stores are like our mothership. And, you know, we want all that new fun stuff because we have ideas for it. But guess what? You've got 20 pieces sitting there just calling your name. Um, so we got it. We've got to tackle those first. My number one tip for that is go through what you currently have. If you see pieces that are good sellers for you or good sellers in your area and they are buried in the back, pull them out to the front so that you know that they are there. You remember that you need to get your hands on those because those are your money makers. So bring those out to the front, get a good running idea of what you actually already have and start working through that versus going out and buying new things. I give myself a limit for what I'm allowed to have in my garage. I am mm. only allowed to have seven pieces at a time. <laughs> So you've set that limit and do you, and you stick with it then? I stick with it. I stick with it. Yep. It is very rare that I will break that. Gosh, I, I would think this one <laughs> would probably be the most challenging. Yeah, but that's why I say my creatives, they don't like this one. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and I get it because I see so often so many part of the thrill is is the hunting, right? It's yep, going it out into these thrift stores and flea markets and yard mm -hmm. sales and estate sales. Yeah. And, you know, seeing what, seeing what treasure they can find at a, at the, you know, cheapest price that they can locate. But that's got to be really diff difficult. But again, it's always going back to that. Okay. What am I doing here? I've got to be able to make a profit. And I right. think that has to be in the forefront. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I hit up a really great online estate sale two days ago. We went and picked it up yesterday. It gave me, three or four extra pieces. There's some estate sales I really want to go to this weekend, but I'm not going. I'm not going. Really? I won't let myself go. <laughs> I am at my max right now in my garage and I need to get those pieces out. And if I am out driving around, I'm spending more money and there's things in my garage that need to be worked on right now. So you're your own <laughs> accountability partner there, aren't you? <laughs> I am. I totally am. So, so, but you enjoy, it sounds like you do enjoy going to the estate sales and finding and hunting and finding, you know, locating a, a piece at a really good price. Yeah, I do. I definitely do. And I think it's really fun here in Dallas because you get to see some really interesting houses and that's a big part of it for me too. I can hear some furniture finishers saying, well, I got a second storage and it's empty. So yeah. I can fill it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not me. I won't allow myself to have a storage or anything like that. So, yep, I've got limited space and I need to get those pieces in and out. So, nonetheless, a very good tip and a very important one. <laughs> so, I think I think the next tip uh cuz I think we've done four, so I think you have one more in your five tips. So, what's that fifth tip? I do. And that is always bringing it back to a customer-centric approach. The little things that you do for your customers really add up and they can add up to repeat business many, many times. So the things that I like to do is I give them a care sheet, which I know a lot of people are doing this now when they pick up their furniture. I tell them the best way to clean it, the cure time, if it still has cure time before they can set glasses or warm things or a TV on top of it. Um, I tell them what color it is just in case they ever want to A, touch up or B, paint something in their house. I have a lot of people that 
that will buy a piece of furniture and say, hey, I'm going to put this on an accent wall. What color did you use? Mm. So um, supply that for them. That's always a good thing to know. I also give them a small sample of paint for touch-ups just in case. Most of the times people pick things up from my house. And so you never know how they're (laughs) getting it home. A lot of times they don't come with moving blankets or things like that. So it's kind of like, oh boy, you might have some some damage by the time you get home, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, (laughs) you know, or they're bringing it in the door and mistakes Mm -hmm. happen. So I like to send them home with a little touch up. I think that's a little, that's a nice touch as well on that card. um, There is my YouTube page. So I tell them, Hey, there's a good chance that you can watch this be flipped over on my channel. They love that. They love to see a good before and after everybody does. And then after they pick up their piece, I send them an invitation to follow my Facebook business page because my business page, I always let my customers see what I have in my garage first. So it gives them the opportunity to either pick out a piece, which is great because then you know that's a guaranteed sale because they're customizing it right there on the spot for themselves. Or they get first dibs at what I'm about to list for the weekend. So normally on a Wednesday, I'll post this is what's coming up. It gives them a day or two chance to say, yeah, I want this before it goes onto Facebook Marketplace. Now, do you offer any type of warranty? No, I don't. And I haven't run into any issues on that. So um, I'm, I'm always interested in how people handle that. Yeah, that's difficult. You know, you don't know the environment that the piece is going into and how well taken care of it is. I guess I was thinking in terms of like the durability of the product as far as paint, mm-hmm. you know, and that sort of thing. But, you know, that's like you were talking about, uh, you know, a paint sample. I love that because, you know, when you put up a piece in your home, there's going to be wear and tear and right. inevitably somebody's going to actually drop something or yeah. maybe bump it with a piece, another piece of furniture and to be able to have a touch up paint is so important. We've, we had new kitchen cabinets, I think about three, three or four years ago and as nice as they are and as much as we love them, you know, maybe the broom or the something. Yeah, it's, yeah exactly. There's a little nick and it's so satisfying to take that paint. That's the exact paint. Just put a little dab on there and it's like it never happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's inevitable. The vacuum's going to hit it. We have a new puppy. She decided to chew through my coffee table. I just designed for myself. So it's like life, life happens, you know, (laughs) so it's, it's nice for them to be able to have that little sample. And guess what? It brings you back to their mind so that if they're looking in the future for another piece or they have a piece of their own that they want somebody to flip, you're the first one that they're going to go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that reminds me of my wife always says when something uh, like that happens, she goes, well, it's just signs of life, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> that's that's the, uh, the glass half full, right? <laughs> yep, it's going to be well-loved and that's okay. Right. This is Lauren with Freshly Flipped Furnishings, and this podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zebra. I would just like to say that Zebra paintbrushes are the best for my furniture refinishing business. The square paintbrush is my favorite as it gets in all the nooks and crannies and all the details of each furniture piece that I complete. I highly recommend. Thank you, Lauren, for your kind words about our brushes. It is a great encouragement. Well, those were five excellent tips, and I am good if you are good to share some of your additional tips. Sure. 
Sure. And they kind of build on to my other ones. Um, the cost optimization, I'm big on that, as you could kind of tell when I was talking. And some other things that I like to kind of throw into that category is maybe you've gotten some pieces in the past that are really damaged, or you know that they're going to require a lot more time that you're, than you're going to get back from your selling price. Maybe it's time to move those out of the way and sell those on Facebook Marketplace. You know, try to get what you invested um, in them out of it. You know, there's a lot of times where I'll spend 30 to $50 on a dresser or an end table and it ends up having so much damage that I know that I'm not going to make my money's worth from the amount of time it's going to take for me to flip it. Mm-hmm. That that piece probably needs to go. That mm-hmm. that needs to go so that you can grab that extra 30 or $50 and invest that in another quality piece that's actually going to make you money without spending as much time on it. So that's, that's another tip I have is just sort of realize what you're not going to get to or something that's got too much damage that you're not able to handle and maybe get that piece out of your inventory so that you can buy a piece that's going to be a money maker for you. Mm-hmm. Um, some other really good things are, you know, we talked about our creatives and a lot of times they're throwing a lot of things at a project, you know, some stenciling, some peel and stick, blending colors, gold leafing, new hardware. And at some point when you have an economy like this, that's being very careful with their money, you need to decide every little thing that you add, adds price to your piece that you need to make back. And at some point you need to rein that, be able to rein that in a little bit and say, maybe I'm going to put two things on this instead of five things because I'm not going to get all of this back. And that really helps your overhead. And it helps what you have in stock as far as things that you don't have to go out and buy because you're not using everything plus the kitchen sink on this current project. Mm. Do you find when it comes to pricing or I don't necessarily say promotions, but I guess we would call it a promotion to offer a discount when you list the piece? Like, for example, let's say it's you, you're going to list it at 500, but you're going to offer it today for the next or maybe the next few days. You're going to you offer a special at 475 or 450. Do you ever do that kind of thing? I don't so much advertise that I do that, but if I have a repeat client who is always buying things from me, always bringing me things to customize for them. I have a lot of sweet clients that just bring me furniture for free with no strings attached. You know what I'm saying? And if mm-hmm. they pick out a piece later down the line, I'm going to give them a deal. Um, so I, I really don't mind doing that at all. Sometimes I have some repeats that don't have a truck or things like that. And so I'll offer delivery and not charge for that. That's a really good tip as well. Um, so little things like that go a long way for me. Your tip number five was customer centric approach. Do you find that because you kind of go above and beyond on the customer care for the client that they in turn talk about you? Do you get clients saying, Hey, I found out about you through my friend and she loves the piece that you refinished for her. Yes, I get lots of referrals from existing customers and I love it when they share on their Facebook and Instagram pages and tag my business. That does get me quite a few eyeballs on all my pages, my YouTube. And again, it just sort of puts them at the front, puts me at the front of their mind for when they're looking to have projects redone. And it throws them also into the pile of the ones that get to see my work first. And so they get a chance to purchase things before they go mainstream Facebook marketplace. So Mm. I've gotten a lot of business that way. And it's great that, you know, they just love their pieces so much that they want to share it. And it ultimately brings you more business. Well, any final tips or thoughts? 
Well, I just want to remind people that the recession is not an end. It's always an opportunity to transform and grow your business and sort of just hone in on what you're really good at. Make Bring some exceptional value to that and you will watch your sales take off. Mm, encouraging words and great to end on that. Well, thanks for sharing these tips, Kara. I know every refinisher and actually anybody in business can benefit from these tips if one takes the time to implement them and be consistent with them. You can find Kara on Instagram to at Lemons to Lemonade Furniture and her YouTube channel is under the same name, Lemons to Lemonade Furniture. Thanks so much, Kara. Thank you so much, Lane. This week's refinishing tip comes from Chris and Mandy with Fresh Studio Furniture. Hi, this is Chris and Mandy from Fresh Studio Furniture. One tip we'd like to share is to load your brush a little more heavily, especially on larger, broad surfaces. If you load your brush a little more heavily, you can get a easier, cleaner, streak-free coat, and it coats a little bit more evenly than a lighter brush. Great tip on loading your brush. Zebra paintbrushes are designed to absorb a full load, so you won't get that dripping like you get with so many brushes. In fact, we recommend you shake your brush down in the paint can after loading instead of swiping it on the can. Most of the time, you end up wiping all of that paint off. question of the week. What interesting items have you found in your old furniture pieces will be answered by our friends Elizabeth with Re.Picks, Karen with Karen's Paintbrush, Jen with Green Spruce Designs, and Lori with Three Havens Vintage. Hi, it's Elizabeth. You can find me on Instagram at Re.Picks. The most interesting thing that I have found to date when I was cleaning out old pieces of furniture to refinish, uh, besides some like really cool newspaper articles from years ago, Uh, was a diamond earring that I found underneath some old felt liner in a really old jewelry box. This is Karen at Karen's Paintbrush. You can find me on Instagram at Karen's underscore paintbrush. The most interesting item I have found in an old piece wasn't really in the piece, but rather on it. I was working on a dresser that looked to be from the 1950s or so, and on the bottom of one of the drawers, written backwards and in pencil, was the name Joanne. This made me smile and brought the history of the dresser to life for me as I was imagining a little girl messing around in her room. When it came time to clean and sand the drawers, I just couldn't sand that off. I figured it was on the bottom of the drawer so no one would know it was there except me. After the piece was done, I sent photos to the woman who sold it to me and asked who Joanne was. She told me it was her husband's grandmother. This made me especially glad that I had decided to save it. Hi, my name is Jen Green from Green Spruce Designs, and some interesting items I have found in old pieces are I found some human teeth, um, I found some receipts, which were kind of interesting because I got to see the date and the the cost of items from the past, which is kind of cool. I also was vacuuming out a piece once. I had the vacuum extension way deep inside the drawers and I pulled it out and just screamed because out came this 
clear plastic bag with like this gray and black fur, which I thought was a dead squirrel. Well, turns out after my panic attack, it was just a plastic bag full of gray and black craft feathers. So not as interesting as I thought initially. Um, Also interesting, I found some letters and they weren't just love letters. They were actually the demise of a relationship letters. They were breakup letters, kind of like probably like we would text if we were breaking up with someone now, these people were writing to each other. And also interesting about that is that the neighbors who bought that piece ended up getting divorced a couple years later. So unfortunately, I think that piece was cursed. (laughs) So the moral of the story, if you find breakup letters in an old piece that you're considering refinishing, maybe reconsider that piece. Hi, my name is Lori Ecker from Three Havens Vintage, and I'm just going to share with you a couple things about what I have found in pieces of furniture that I've got to refinish or paint. Um, Probably the funniest thing or, I don't know, grossest thing (laughs) was we found a pair of uh, women's lacy underwear in a dresser drawer and it became a joke amongst ourselves and our friends and we had a lot of fun with it and it was just laughter so good for the soul so that was a lot of fun and also old photos that is always really fun to find especially you know it makes you wonder like who are they you know, what's their story? What, I don't know. It's just really cool to find old photos. Always looking for a, a stash of cash. My husband always says, make sure you check everything. You never know what you might find. And he is so right. But yeah, it's just, you never know what you're going to find when you start looking through a piece of furniture. Interesting items for sure. Thanks, Elizabeth, Karen, Jen, and Lori. Welcome to our podcast segment called Accolades. It's a great opportunity to give refinishers accolades to their fellow refinishers that they admire for their extraordinary finishing skills and hard work. This week's accolades are given by Amanda with a Thrifty Flipper. Hey everyone, it's Amanda from the Thrifty Flipper. And today I wanted to send some accolades to a furniture artisan that constantly stuns me with their work. And that is Shona from Made by Murphy. I have followed her page for quite some time now, and her work is always a scroll stopper. Like, anytime I'm scrolling through my Instagram, I always stop as soon as I see one of her pieces before I even know it was her that created it, because they're always so catching. Not only does she find the most unique pieces of furniture that I've ever seen, like things that never even heard of before she somehow transforms it into like its own masterpiece like with the vision that she saw what the piece was meant to be it's almost like they come alive each piece is staged perfectly which can be hard to do when you have really bold designs already and on top of that she always lays out the most beautiful fairy tale like descriptions of each one really introducing you to the character of it and a lot of the times the pieces actually have names and it's really like a main character energy that she's bringing into it so it's really kind of a full circle environment with 
a unique piece, an amazing design. The staging is always on point, and then the description just ties it all together for a whole experience with the work. It's such a joy and an inspiration to see the amazing things that she's creating and the new life that she breathes into all of these designs. I hope you guys can take some time to go check out her work and be as inspired by it as I am. Thanks for listening, y'all, and stay thrifty. Thanks, Amanda, and accolade Shona. How many of you think you are the only ones that make errors or gaffes in your refinishing process? Maybe you had an incident that occurred with a client that you were terribly embarrassed about. Well, you aren't the only one. Everyone makes mistakes and we all learn from them, don't we? Welcome to our podcast segment called Furniture Bloopers. Hearing of others' mishaps actually encourages us. It reminds us that we are not alone. Yes, we all make them and it's okay. Life is too short. We can look back at these bloopers knowing that it wasn't great at the time, but you probably won't do it again. And this is one more way we can glean from one another. And you know how it is often days and weeks after it happens. It's just not as big of a deal as it was at the time. It's actually one of those stories you tell later and it may bring a chuckle or two, but ultimately you really do move on. Today's furniture blooper is shared by our good friend, Susan with Little Lou Designs. Hi everybody, this is Susan from Little Lou Designs. I am here to share one of my furniture restoring bloopers with you. I was refinishing an antique Jenny Lynn dresser probably about a year ago and had been working for a long time to restore this really old piece. I was probably about 90% done and had it, I think, drying out or maybe bleaching a little bit in the sun. So all the drawers were removed. I had reinforced, sanded, everything was stripped down to the natural wood. The drawers were upright in my driveway and I had been working on them all day. Out in the sun, my husband was outside too doing yard work. I had to run out to do a quick errand, so I left. And when I came back, the drawers were missing. So I inquired with my husband and he told me he forgot that they were on the driveway and he reversed over one and broke it into probably 20 pieces. (laughs) I was devastated. (laughs) He was very apologetic. So I think I asked for advice on Instagram if I should even bother trying to rebuild the drawer or just give up. So I decided I'd put too much time into it already to give up. I started to assemble all the pieces of the puzzle to try to put the drawer back together and found probably, well, 90% of the pieces for the drawer. I was able to put them together with many clamps and Bondo and reinforced um, with some screws and it actually came together fairly nicely. I got it squared up and somehow the front of the drawer was barely damaged. The rest of it was destroyed. The part that you don't see, but we needed to make sure it was very functional again. So I was able to resurrect the piece, um, the drawer and all, and sold and actually believe I won an award for, well, actually was a finalist for the Golden Brush Awards with this piece that I'm talking about. So don't give up even when you want to. 
I had to put many extra hours into restoring that drawer for his second time, but um, you couldn't even really tell at the end. And I did, when I sold it, I did tell the person that bought it what happened. So I wanted to fully disclose the issue with the drawer, but at the end it was working perfectly. And um, yeah, so that was my crazy story. I wanted to cry at the time, but I can look back now and laugh at it. So hopefully you have some... um, funny stories to laugh at too and realize that even when you think there's no hope you can always turn it around again. Susan I can only imagine the feeling your husband had when he realized he ran over the drawers and then the dread to have to tell you when you got home. Sounds like you both handled it quite well and wow what a great example of determination. Thanks for sharing. If you've had a furniture blooper that you wouldn't mind sharing on the podcast, please reach out to us. You don't know how your mistake may be quite instrumental in keeping others from making the same one. Email me at lameball at enjoyzebra.com. We have contest announcements for the new month of June. One of our newer contests continues each month, the Zebra Staging Contest with Jen and Amanda the Vincent Sisters. All you have to do to enter is post your pieces with the hashtag ZebraStagingJune. Jen and Amanda, along with our three winners for May, to be announced soon, by the way, will review the hashtag the 1st of July and choose three winners. The winners will be chosen based on the effectiveness of the staging, and this covers the quality of the piece refinished, how the pieces are staged with the particular style of furniture presented, and last but not least, the quality of the photography. The three winners will receive a special framed award. Zebra paintbrushes and appear on our podcast to be interviewed by Jen and Amanda. Also, the three June winners will co-judge with Jen and Amanda for July's staging contest. The Zebra Review theme for June is This and That. Our featured judge is Katie Cloud with Katie and Company and Home. For this category, we are thinking broad, like all of those smaller items like step stools, clocks, small tables, etc. January 1st through June 30th of 2023, simply use the hashtag Zebra This and That. Katie will pick her five favorites, then the remaining three judges. Katie with Salvage by K. Scott, Jim with Perfectly Imperfect Furniture, and Lauren with Portland Road Living will vote out of Katie's selections to choose the three winners. This month's prize sponsors are Shecto Interiors, D. Lawless Hardware, Surf Prep Sanding, and Zebra Painting. The winners will appear on the podcast and be interviewed by Katie. Thanks for joining us. We are grateful for each of you. All links to artists will be in this week's show notes. We can't tell you how encouraged we are when we hear from you or when we read your reviews on one of the podcast directories. Speaking of podcast directory reviews, would you consider leaving one on your favorite directory if you haven't already? This helps tremendously in our ability to reach more people as well. It is a big boost to our ranking. As a thank you for leaving a review, we would like to send you a small gift. Simply screenshot your review and email it to me, laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Put podcast review in the subject heading and include your full name and mailing address. Okay, that's it for now. Until next time, friends, happy painting. <laughs>